Our truth Tony Schaefer, powered by six out, never settle. I have a choice of what I carry in combat. I can always carry the best. The best is six hour. I recommend you carry the best. Today, I'm for those watching. I'm featuring my my Frankenstein M11A1, which is uh, what I one of the things I do carry for concealed. It's a it's a modification and with the uh, Legion slide, which has serrations on the front, which I like. Uh, one of the key carry weapons. So. Uh, Obviously, Sig Sauer has a number of options for your carrying convenience. I highly recommend you grab one and use it to protect yourself and your family. So, never settle. Uh, we are on the America Out Loud talk radio network, also available on the America Out Loud podcast network. Check us out at projectsentinel.com and .net, London Center for Policy Research, LondonCenter.org. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, etc. I wanted to do a shout out to Sheree Curry, who does our bumper music and our theme uh, Sheree, we love you big, and we always appreciate your support. So without further ado, we're going to roll it right into our guest, Joel Gilbert. Joel Gilbert's producing a a, a movie. Uh, it's called Michelle Obama 2024, uh, uh, a love story, right? This is like this is like uh, Barbara Streisand and uh, Ryan O'Neill, right? Is that is that right, Joel? Well, the subtitle is Her Real Life Story and Plan for Power. And, uh <laughs> So a little bit different than that. Well, she's in love with herself, so I guess that would make sense, right? Right. Well, so Joel, thanks for joining us on the Hard Truth. Uh, you and I have known each other for a long time. You've been working in the circles that we run in, and trying to do good things to help document and support essentially the truth. The truth is a very limited commodity today in today's political environment. But this is one of the situations where I think you've gone above and beyond and. Boy, I've watched the movie and it's like, it's just amazing how there's a, a deviation between the narrative and the facts of, of the situation and who she is. So let's start off by who is Michelle Obama? Well, uh, I set on this investigative journey of Michelle Obama, which no one ever did. The media never looked into her background. No one ever did a critical biography. They've simply hosted Michelle on hundreds of magazine covers, hundreds of interviews, sitcoms, you name it. Right. She's had all positive publicity for 15 years. So I uh, was noticing that as soon as Trump got elected, I saw Michelle copying the exact same things that Barack did to run for president before he ran for office. Hmm. Uh, Barack had a uh, voter registration organization in Chicago called Project Vote. Michelle started an organization called When We All Vote, supported by George Soros's gang for 20 million bucks. Uh, Barack wrote two autobiographies, Dreams from My Father and The Light and uh, the Audacity of Hope. Sure enough, Michelle wrote two autobiographies, the best-selling Becoming and then The Light We Carry. They're both also on Netflix as movies. And Barack was the keynote speaker for John Kerry in 2004, introduced him at the DNC convention. Sure enough, Michelle was the keynote speaker who introduced Joe Biden. Right. So I saw her kind of copying what Barack was doing and, and seeing how political she was. So I actually went to Chicago and I investigated her background. I talked to three of her boyfriends, high school and elementary school classmates, teachers, principals, even her mother, uh, Michelle's thesis advisor at Princeton. And I put together a complete biography of Michelle Obama that I think is very fair and factual. And it stands in great contrast to Michelle's public image and what she wrote in her autobiographies. She's essentially telling the story <laughs> that she told in Becoming in the movie version. At the beginning, she says, I'm from the south side of Chicago. There's nothing else you need to know about me. So it, she's been pushing this idea, I think, 
mostly to minority and black voters, uh, the idea that, hey, I'm just an ordinary black person. I'm just like you. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. She claims to have suffered discrimination, being held back in life because of her skin color. It's kind of this uh, ordinary person type of, of persona. Now, why is she pushing this narrative? Yeah. Uh, now, I found out in my research, Michelle is not from the south side of Chicago. She is from right. South Shore, which is on Lake Michigan, exclusive community. And I found out she had a terrible relationship with the black community growing up. She refused to go to schools with other black kids one block from her house. Her and her brother went an hour and a half away to study at a magnet school and a Catholic school, for example. And illegally, I might add. Correct. Uh, for her elementary school, she was supposed to go to a, a school called Dulles Elementary, beautiful school one block from her house, but they had a lot of kids from the projects and her mother didn't want her studying with black kids. So she legally registered her in a gifted school. So Michelle even talks about in her book getting beat up by black kids. Uh, one got in a fistfight, called her an Oreo, meaning you're black on the outside, but you're really white girl on the inside. Right. I got her on tape. She says, I was afraid to go out of my house. So she didn't have any black friends growing up. And then I document how Michelle got her revenge on the black community working for the white liberals in Chicago. When white liberals had problems with black people, they couldn't hire a white person to do the job, to do the dirty work. Right. So Michelle always took those jobs. She worked for the mayor of Chicago. She was the uh, assistant planning commissioner, and she kicked 20,000 black people out of their homes. She knocked down the projects at Cabrini Green because Democrat donor developers like Tony Resco wanted the land. Mm -hmm. And having proven how callous she was toward the black community, the University of Chicago Medical Center hired her to kick black people out of the emergency room when they showed up from the south side. Michelle would put them in these vans and dump them back on the south side in these crappy clinics that I visited. Uh, it was called patient dumping. It was illegal. So Michelle has a terrible relationship of exploiting the black community growing up and in her professional career. But she puts on this fake manipulative lies and stories to convince them that she's one of them to get power. So that's one of the main uh, things you learn out of many from the book and the film. Well, I want to go through that a bit later because one of the features uh, of your film is uh, the part where she has to quote unquote act black. And I do want to break that down a bit. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I appreciate your film and I do endorse it. I think people ought to go out and watch it because it does lay out the, the material facts that, are the actual foundation of Barack of, 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 of that's a slip of, of Michelle Obama and why I think she and, and Barack Obama are such a, a good team because uh, let's face it here they're they're not black they're Marxists they're, this has nothing to do with with uh, black any more than than being white has to do with breathing air it's it's all about the fact that they have a certain political framework that they're trying to to um, to facilitate, but would would you agree with that? I mean, this is the black is just a, a tool. Using the black community is just a tool to get and, and maintain yeah. power. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I showed in my film from ten years ago, "Dreams from My Real Father," mm -hmm. uh, the influence that Frank Marshall Davis, a black Bolshevik out of Chicago who moved to Hawaii uh, and acted as a Soviet agent during the Cold War, uh, he raised Barack Obama. I make the case that that's actually his real biological father. He looks yeah. just like him. Uh, so Obama had a foundation and radicalization by an American communist. And I reveal in my film what no one knows is that Michelle Obama was very close to none other than Bernadine Dorn, yeah. one of the heads of the Weather Underground domestic terrorists from the 60s. Michelle worked with her for two years at the 
Sidley Austin law firm. And her and Barack would go to the house of her and her husband, Bill Ayers, for dinners for years in the 90s. Michelle brought Bernadine as a guest speaker to her community organizing group called Public Allies. And Michelle's anti-American rhetoric that you might remember from 2008 <clears throat> when she campaigned for Barack, she said, you can't buy food in this country, you can't afford health care, don't get sick in this country. All that stuff, the politics of fear, it's right. straight out of Bernadine Dorn's mouth. So both Barack and Michelle were radicalized, I think, by uh, ideological radicals to be anti-American. And that's their, that's their real agenda, despite these facades that they put up to say, oh, I'm just an ordinary black person that struggled and you should support me because I understand you. Their agenda is completely different. Obama did nothing for minority communities when he was president. And I'm convinced Michelle has the same agenda as Barack. Well, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I, I do believe that's the, the plan. So let's look at that for a second, because one of the things your film does touch upon is the, the fact that the black minorities inside of the urban the, the city, the, the inner cities have been essentially a resource. The Democrat Party is um, basically captured that basically uh, poverty is poverty, poverty. You would have outside the big cities an equal number of black and whites being poor. But the inner cities, I think, are especially troublesome by the fact that you have essentially a com communities like Baltimore, Chicago, Detroit. Um, D.C. Uh, uh, did I say Baltimore? I said Baltimore. Um, Boston. You have these inner city hellholes where you have minorities who live somehow believing that they they cannot survive without some level of government support and that because <clears throat> they need to be supported, politicians have a symbiotic relationship. It's like, uh, well, they can't live without us uh, and they, the, the inner city poor believe they can't live without the government. So it's kind of this symbiosis that goes on and on. Uh, it, it's uh, like, I, I would describe it as you have a bunch of poverty pimps, which is like, uh, Maxine, uh, waters, I think has been called a poverty pimp in the, in, in, um, LA because of her basically living the high life like Michelle and Barack Obama but then overseeing and representing communities of people who basically live at the lowest possible rung of U.S. society, and they're kept there by the political masters who are mostly black. What, is, is, is that accurate, I think? You know, do I have represented that? I think it's pretty accurate, and I think the biggest threat to the Democrat Party that people don't talk about uh, enough is what Donald Trump accomplished for right. the inner cities and the black community. Uh -huh. He delivered what Democrats had promised for 60 years and hadn't done. He right. delivered high-wage jobs, prison reform, school choice, you name it. And they were gravitating toward realizing that you know Trump can deliver for us. And uh, that's why I think the Biden administration has endeavored to appoint uh, blacks to every single high profile position they can, like UN ambassador, defense secretary, head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, press secretary, you name it. And they're delivering a message to black voters, which is, we look like you, so you should vote for us. Because they need about 90 to 95% vote from the Democrat, uh, you know, the black Democrats to get their people elected. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why I think Michelle Obama just checks all the boxes. They're pretty much done with white males. They got yeah. rid of Andrew Cuomo. Well, I don't think they want that direction. I think Michelle allows the media to, 
tell people if you disagree with her, you must be racist and sexist. So I think it's coming. So let, let's go through that a, a minute because I know Lloyd Austin, and I've I've known I've served with minorities my entire career, and I admire my my favorite general. And at the time of taping this, uh, Richard Roundtree just passed, and who played Shaft in 1971. I was I loved that movie. I loved the theme from Shaft. One of my favorite generals was Bob Harding, a black general. As a matter of fact, I, I talked about Bob often. Uh, Bob was competent, uh, very able to lead, to see things clearly. Uh, and I always, he was six foot three. I, I once told him, I said, you ought to have the theme from Shaft playing in the background as you walk into briefings because it would be a, a really great entry. He was competent. He's a, a leader. No such competence exists within the, con- the, con- the construct of uh, Lloyd Austin. And I, I find it appalling that you would have people who are less than qualified taking positions of high authority acting in a way because it, it virtue signals to a certain political group to make them believe something that's not there. Lloyd Austin is going to get us into a war at the rate we're going because he's not the best and brightest. He was picked because of his skin color. I don't think picking people for their skin color is wise at all. And uh, the people I've served with were there because of of merit, because of their abilities, not because they met a quota. And I think this is a very dangerous thing for us to see is when we have people who who are not, all things are not equal. Uh, They're not qualified other than the skin color. They're not qualified at all, but the skin color is where they get there. Uh, Jean-Luc Pierre, uh, what's her name? Uh, Corinne, Corinne Jean-Luc Pierre drives me nuts. She's not qualified. That's why they got John Kirby over there. Talk about an awkward situation uh, because he's he's at least semi-competent and very smooth. He's, he's kind of like, uh, I mean, he'd sell his mom to Hamas if he had to, but he'd feel bad about it, I'm sure. But he's willing to do things and say things in a clear, articulate way that 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 uh, Corrine, Jean-Luc, whatever her name is, can't do. So I'm I'm tired of seeing people promoted to positions of authority simply because of skin color. But what you're saying here, basically, Joel, is that you're going to see more of that should uh, um, they move forward. That is the Democrat Party, the progressive wing of the Democrat Party, putting Michelle and others forward because it's all about using the black culture and black people as a tool for political gain and, and power. Is that accurate? Yeah, look, it's a desperate attempt to try to recover from the inroads that Donald Trump made with minority communities. They Mm -hmm. believe it's very shallow and insulting. If you take someone like Kenji Brown Jackson, we'll appoint this radical leftist to the Supreme Court because she's a black woman. We'll appoint all these people because we think that black voters will vote for us because we look like them. That's a pretty insulting uh, idea, but they're definitely pursuing it. And that's how they I guess the disdain they have for black voters is that they're that shallow that they would they would vote for that purpose. But it's certainly, I think, uh, what they have set up for 2024. I mean, they moved the Democrat Party uh, first primary out of Iowa, where Michelle Obama would have had to campaign in 100 counties to yeah. South Carolina, where half they even said because there's more black voters, half the Democrat Party electorate for the primaries are African American. They moved the convention to Michelle's hometown of Chicago of all places. So we've got a December 23rd deadline coming up to get your signatures in to be, to appear in all the primary ballots. So I'm predicting sometime in November, a few weeks from now, 
I think Michelle's going to make her move. I don't think that Biden has to drop out. He can run all he wants and Michelle will trounce him in the primaries. Uh, let's cover that in a second. I want to get to that next, but let's hit one other thing real yeah. quick regarding the black community before we depart from that. Yeah. Right now, I live in a place called Edenton, North Carolina. It's a very small community, uh, a lot of uh, very poor minorities. The very people who Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, Joe Biden all promote that is to say that they believe that they want to support the little guy, that they want to make sure that everybody has this equal economic opportunity. It's a lie. Uh, because of inflation, because of the price of gas, I have seen people suffer greatly. When you're talking about people who may basically probably don't even make thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year as an income, uh, boy, you, you raise prices of everything. It hurts them badly. We're all hurting, but they're really hurting. Joe, how, how is it those folks would be expected to vote for Biden or Obama? Because there's, you know, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, uh, Joe Biden, they're all part of the same collective. They're, they're all, their policies would not deviate in any great uh, degree from each other. Michelle Obama would not change the fundamental direction of the Democrat Party's path to using green energy to basically enslave uh, people, uh, take control of uh, means of production of energy. They would not change the direction of the economy where basically uh, goods and services become so expensive that only a handful of people can, can do it. Do you think that somehow the black community is going to continue to support these folks with, the, with Obamacare and all these other things, or um, I should say uh, uh, Bidenomics and all these other things which have badly hurt them? Look, it does take a lot of work. It's taking more and more work by the Democrats and the media to convince black voters that Democrat policies are good for them. Even back in 2008, black voters did not think Obama was black. They did not support him at first. They thought yeah, he was a white guy who grew up in a white family in Hawaii, and he's an elitist Harvard guy. It took a lot of work by Michelle Obama, and you can see that in my film, where she went around the country right. speaking in a phony urban accent to black voters trying to convince them that they were a typical black family. They eventually succeeded with the media's help. Uh, but black voters are no fools. I think more and more they understand that the Democrats have done nothing for them. And that's why you see this rather desperate attempt to appoint uh, unqualified blacks to all these high profile positions. That's what the Democrats are up to. And Michelle has never really had an original idea. She just repeats whatever is going on and whatever the Democrats are saying she repeats it. When she, introduced yeah. Joe, when she introduced Joe Biden at the DNC, she said, uh, police are using rubber bullets, uh, you know, and pepper spray on innocent, peaceful protesters. You know, she, she'll do whatever the Democrat Party says she should do. And uh, it's all the very same policies, as you mentioned. How many black people do you know that has uh, a home in um, Hawaii? By the way, he tore down, Barack Obama tore down the Magnum P.I. mansion to make way for his mansion there and also has a home in i guess chicago and also on uh, martha's vineyard how many black people do you know have all those homes yeah pretty much none i mean they yeah. have that that climate denying beachfront yeah, home in Martha, martha's vineyard but they never left washington dc they got a big house there Barack colorama consults. yeah colorama yeah yeah he consults with all the members of congress and the media and his former staffers that are in the Biden administration. I think he's uh, I think there's a pretty good argument to say that he's pretty much running things even today. Oh, I've said that I've said this publicly. I agree with that assessment. Look, it, anybody can see Joe Biden 
couldn't run to the bathroom, let alone run the presidential office. I mean, it's 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 insane to think that anyone who listens to him. And I, by the way, on another note, Joel, that's part of our problem right now is because even if Barack Obama is the guy running things, is the the guy behind the curtain, there's a perception of weakness, no matter who's in charge, by the fact that most of the policies in place by the Biden administration are not designed to gain object uh, gain advantage it's to basically not not lose and by playing to not lose you're going to lose because there's no way you're going to win if you if you're playing a zero sum game hoping that you can just keep everything static you're going to lose and that's i think that's why chaos is so prevalent right now and so many of the things barack obama started biden has continued and i think fecklessly so and I think that's the greatest danger to peace right now is the fact that people recognize what you and I are talking about, that Biden's not in charge and it would take time for anyone to react to any sort of um, aggressive uh, circumstance. And let's, let's look at the Hamas thing real quick, uh, very quickly on that. One of the things that's very apparent is that Biden is out of his element. Whoever's running Biden is out of their element. Because on one hand, they've got a general, Lieutenant, Lieutenant General, Marine Corps type, advising the Israeli military on how to go about breaching operations and fighting in an urban environment because he had experience in Mosul and uh, several other places within Iraq and our war there. Uh, at the same time, Barack Obama's behind the scenes, that's uh, a slip, uh, Joe Biden's behind the scenes trying to convince the world and the Israelis to, to, to not do the offensive because we're trying to negotiate with Hamas. And I would argue that it's that, that dichotomy of policy that completely dis disconnects within their own policy that's creating the chaos that we see before us. And I think Michelle Obama would, would continue the same. Would, would you agree with me on that? Uh, look, I'd agree with that. Look, uh, the Israelis are in danger of uh, a repeat of what happened in the 1973 Yom Kippur War, where the United States reluctantly uh, assisted Israel militarily, but set Israel up for a political defeat after the war. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, the people that behind Joe Biden, including Barack Obama, who just released a statement uh, the other day on Twitter, an extensive statement to share his thoughts. I heard. Uh, you know that the purpose for that is to signal and communicate to his people in the administration what he wants them to do. So, uh, will the Israelis just say no? Will they uh, take care of their own interests first? Uh, I'm sure that the Biden people are trying to set Israel up for a political defeat to demand statehood for Palestinians and uh, to make sure the Israelis don't have an ultimate victory. And uh, the Obama gang is certainly behind that. So um, let's talk for a minute about acting black. You've made a compelling case for Michelle Obama, and I do recommend people go watch the film because it lays it out uh, brilliantly in, in, in great detail, factual detail, I might add. Um, Barack Obama essentially has shown after office to the point I just, I think, made with you. He's he's not living in, in the Chicago. He's not down there uh, chucking and jiving with the uh, folks in the South Side. He's not working in the inner city with BLM trying to help people. He's living the high life. He's literally living like an elite. So I would argue the acting black thing is simply something that Michelle Obama would again pick up and use for purposes of trying to establish a path to the White House. Is that correct? Is that what she's going to do primarily? I mean, you kind of opened with that when we started well, the conversation. Well, I learned from my uh, going to Chicago and talking to so many people in the black community, there's something known as black authenticity. 
Mm. And if you want to be authentically black and authentic member of the black community, and they taught this in schools when Michelle was at Princeton, the more you believe that whites are racist, the more authentically black you are. Interesting. If you don't believe that whites are racist and you mingle among them and you marry a white man or a biracial man and you live in Hyde Park like Michelle did, the less authentically black you are and you don't really have an authentic voice and you can't speak for the black community. So Michelle Obama actually has the same problem that Barack had when he ran for president. Black people did not consider him to be authentically black. He grew up with white grandparents in Hawaii and he didn't have any black friends. His roommates in college were Pakistani. He had no experiences in common with the black community at all. Now, we found out from David Garrow's book that Barack told his Asian girlfriend that he had to marry a black woman for politics because it would help him in politics. So that was his interest in Michelle. Now, ironically for Michelle, who grew up afraid of the black community, refused to study with them and exploited them in her career, uh, because Barack was biracial, it made her feel more white. She wanted ah, to be more. She wanted to be more white. Interesting. And Barack wanted to feel more black. So that was their original, you know, attraction. So but it really is like that o- o- Oreo thing, right? It's uh, Michelle. Michelle really is an Oreo. When Barack met her, even Barack talked about he. Michelle reminded him of his white grandmother from Kansas City. Michelle, in her book, she says she she admired her hero was Mary Tyler Moore growing up. She watched yeah. the Brady Bunch. She had no black friends and she wanted nothing to do with the black community. That's why she's so uh, such a manipulator in politics where she you'll see in my film, she uses a phony urban accent. Today, you could be addressed. You could be arrested for a hate crime if you talk to a black audience the way Michelle did. Uh, She instead of wearing her fashion, she was a big fashionista. She went to the Miracle Mile in Chicago and always was on the best dress list. Vanity Fair, best dress list with all the fashion. When she campaigned for Barack in 2008, she showed up looking like a homeless person. She didn't comb her hair. She wore an old sweater. She wanted to pretend to be, I'm just an ordinary black housewife from the South. You know, Uh, it's it's all fake. So neither Michelle nor Barack really qualify for being authentically black. So, um, well, we got to take a break here. We're halfway through the show. But uh, Joel, do you think if I ask her, she could teach me how to be authentically white? Do you think she could help me with that? I yeah, mean, she would just she could just be herself because that's her real problem. She she really is an Oreo. She really yeah. is a, a white girl. She has nothing in common with the black community except for politics. She puts on all these fake stories of suffering from racism that I expose in the film are completely phony. Yeah, I suffer from, race, from racism, too, from them being racist. So just saying, just saying. So anyway, we're going to take a break. We're halfway through. This is uh, the hard truth. Tony Shape. We're going to return with Joel Gilbert. Uh, talking about Michelle Obama and her uh, and his movie, Michelle Obama 2024. We'll be right back after this break. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. 
Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code out loud. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. In the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Hey, this is the Hard Truth of Tony Schaefer, part two. Still powered by Six Hour, never settle. I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carried the very best, the very best six hour. You should carry the very best. Never settle. We're on the America Out Loud talk radio network and the podcast network. And we are Project Sentinel, projectsentinel.com.net, and London Center for Policy Research. And we can, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Rumble, and all those great places. So we're continuing our conversation with Joel Gilbert uh, regarding Michelle Obama, his movie, Michelle Obama 2024. It's both a movie and a book. I was reminded it was a book, so you can go uh, go check it out. Joel, does, is there a st- scratch and sniff section where you can uh, oh. basically see if it, what it smells like to have chitlins uh, on a Friday night? I mean, oh, I just I'm just curious about that. It just you know you should. Have, if you don't, you should. Chitlins are delicious. They're not healthy, but they're delicious. I kind of doubt it, considering what you guys were talking about in part one. Well, so yeah, so before I let Joel smoke, I, I mean, this is my show, so I get to speak. But Joel, I have a question for you. What what did Michelle become? Because she says it's like her book's called Becoming, oh. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I look, mean, what uh, does it mean? What does that mean? Look, Michelle, uh, becoming when a when a relatively younger person writes an autobiography, 
It's for politics. It's to cover up things they don't want you to know about. Yeah. It's to create false stories. Michelle tells these fake stories of suffering racism growing up. One of the big ones I, I exposed is she's always been telling people her high school counselor racially profiled her because she applied to Princeton University. She told Gail King even recently she, that the counselor said, you're black applying to Princeton. Maybe you're stretching. Well, I found out her guidance counselor was a church going black woman named Nan King who passed away in 2005. That's why Michelle gets away with it. Uh, but this is why the Obamas make up fake stories of racism. That's why Barack yeah. Obama em embraced Black Lives Matter and brought him into the White House because they're not authentically black. And they, they, to be authentically black, they have to pretend to have suffered racism and they have to pretend to believe that whites are racist to get support of the wider black community. So these are kind of inter-black politics. The, the Democrats need about a 90, 95% support of the black community right. to get elected. And they're willing to make up any number of lies and the Obamas have been doing it for years. Well, I want to circle the square before I let my colleagues jump in and start speaking. In the movie, you point out at the very beginning of the movie, the link, or I should say the break, between radical left movements in, and the Democrat Party in the 60s. And, and, and basically, both parties basically ignored or uh, avoided the violent elements. You're essentially saying, because of BLM and others, the Obamas are going <laughs> to embrace the violence. Is that what, and especially uh, Michelle, would she basically well, bring you know. the 60s, the violence we saw in the 60s, into the 24th, into 2024, and use that as a political tool going into the well, election? Look, I made a film called The Trayvon Hoax uh, a couple yeah. years ago, which showed that the entire Trayvon Martin case against Zimmerman was uh, made up with a fake witness. The girl, right. Rachel Gentile, was not on the phone with Trayvon, was not his girlfriend, and the prosecution knew it. FBI knew it. Uh, but Obama invited Black Lives Matter into the White House. Uh, they were rioting all over the country. But Obama said, you got to keep it up. You got to support them. So it goes hand in hand. The radical left and their violent street thugs are part of the program. Uh, when Michelle introduced Joe Biden uh, at the 2020 convention, you know, she said, you know, Black Lives Matter protesters, the police were using tear gas and rubber bullets on peaceful protesters. So they keep up the lie. And I think they enjoy having these radical street thugs uh, on the street hmm. to enforce their their program. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That um, that makes me think of you know when the the BLM rights very first broke out, and there was so much in Portland, Seattle, um, and there's a reporter standing right there, alive, saying, "Well, it's mostly peaceful." And right behind them, there's <laughs> fires, cars on fire. You see this? I still remember this. This one guy just ran up to this total stranger walking across the street and hit him <laughs> on the back of the head with a baseball bat. Yeah, yeah it's mostly peaceful. I mean, I don't know how, I mean, how stupid can the reporters be, you know? But well, I didn't know you did a documentary on Trayvon. I got to go back and find that. That sounds interesting. The report, reporters aren't compromised. I mean, aren't, aren't stupid. They're compromised is what they right, are. Right. That's what you meant to say. Let me comment. That, look, the whole country is compromised by this BLM street thugs. You remember yeah. when Major League Baseball uh, moved their all-star game from Atlanta to Denver just because... Black Lives Matter said that some new law in Georgia was was racist. All of corporate America lives in fear of these uh, of being deemed racist or or the street thugs are going to show up. So the path of least resistance is just to cooperate and do what they say. Uh, hire, you know, 80 percent of the people you hire should be minorities. Anything yeah. they'll do anything to avoid uh, being accused of racism. So it's a very powerful 
a force on social media, on the street. And that's why when you turn on an NFL game, you see the anti-racist BLM messaging on the end zone. It says, end racism, as if yeah. we have some huge racist problem. I, was, I grew up in the 70s in Tennessee, and black kids and white kids were all together in the 70s. Yeah. I never heard the N-word. And we're still friends to this day. So suddenly, yep. you know, when the Trayvon Martin case came up, uh, Obama endorsed this narrative of Black Lives Matter that America is an inherently racist country. Well, where's the racism? We, we don't really know of any racism. Well, it's in the system. Well, where is it in the system? Right. It's systemic. So this is what they've turned America into. And I went to high school in Lisbon and I had friends, we're still friends as far as I'm concerned, from Nigeria from uh, mm -hmm. uh, Angola. I was friends with uh, DJ Neto, the nephew of the of the dictator uh, of Angola back in the day. And we didn't really see it as black and white. We just all got along. Even I even got along with Marxists back then, just saying. But it was just <laughs> interesting that they've, they've made such an effort to essentially move the dial from everybody wanting to be integrated to basically reestablishing segregation because Joel, that's what they're doing in some of the universities. What is it in California now? They have only black only alert. Uh, you know, well, if black children go missing, we have a special alert form. It's like, well, and look, there's the a different alert for black kids. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, this is where the Democrats <laughs> and the Obamas have been the, <sighs> the, the chief uh, manipulators of race to get power. People thought, uh, we would have a post-racial presidency. We'll elect Barack Obama, the first biracial or black president. And he turned race relations upside down, 100% mm -hmm. the opposite direction. Michelle yeah. was part of it. There's a, I have it in my film where uh, she went on David Letterman and told this story when she was first lady. She went out of the White House incognito to Target wearing sunglasses and a hat. And she talked about how this little short woman, she didn't say her race, little short woman asked her to get something from the top shelf because she was tall. And Michelle said, I gave it to her. And the woman said, you didn't have to make that look so easy. And they both laughed. So Michelle is having a great time telling Letterman the story. And then a year later, Essence Magazine does a story about racism in America. And Michelle retells this story as the woman asked her to get this thing off the top shelf, not because she was tall, but because of her race. So <laughs> the, the Obamas oh, yeah. okay. have manipulated and used race to get power. And I think that's what they're doing. And I think it's Michelle is going to do. It's funny well, because you think, think about this. Think about this, though. Uh, the Democrats must have been terrified with the thought of a post-racial society after Barack Obama's election. Uh, again, I will say this. Barack Obama did, did accomplish one great thing for America. Same thing Donald Trump accomplished. He kept her from becoming president. But that's a different <laughs> story. Then there's the problem of whether this is going to be a post-racial country. The Democrats rely on racial tension to keep power. This is where the mm. one, 180 kind of was manufactured between, again, you showed it right there, uh, right, right there, Joel, between the first, between the Letterman interview and the Essence interview. There, is there was obviously some kind of, uh, uh, let's put it this way, planned manipulation when it came to that, maybe a retelling of these stories for that purpose, for those, for the political purpose of keeping control and keeping racial tensions, uh, let's put it this way, rather hefty, if you will. That's a good point. They rely on racial tension. They don't want to let it up. Oh, I remember um, not too long ago, Morgan Freeman, you know, the actor was uh, being interviewed by one of the liberal mainstream media reporters. And he was saying, well, what should we do about the the systemic race racism? And Morgan Freeman's like, 
that's not in this country. And then the guy says, well, what should we do about racing? And Morgan Freeman said, stop talking about it. I mean, just freaking stop talking about it. Just treat people. They're like the golden rule, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated and base, you know, and base our laws and policies on things that actually make sense. Uh, but I thought that was so funny. He just said, stop talking about it. Another thing I want to point out is um, yeah. talking about, you know, if you statistically, so it's not like I'm making this up statistically, the richest black people in the entire world all live in America because they were able to become rich and successful right. only in America. So I still don't understand how Michelle or her husband or anybody says, gosh, you know, uh, uh, Everywhere I go, I just feel like I'm I'm being discriminated against. Oh, there's racism everywhere. There's systemic racism. Just give me well, an example. Well, just show me one right. example, and they can't. Yeah. Well, it's it's about the Obamas are not authentically black. Neither one of them. Yeah, like you. And that's so a great they, point. To establish their black authenticity, which would then follow, they would get votes and support from the black community. They feel obligated to make up phony stories of racism. And to identify with radical blacks, Al Sharpton was the number one guest at the White House. Uh, Black Lives Matter was supported by Obama. Michelle makes up these phony stories because they're actually so insecure in their black identity. Uh, Both of them, black people did not like them. Black people beat up Michelle her whole life. That's why Michelle abused and exploited them to make money from white liberals. So she's very, very insecure. And if I was Donald Trump, I would start tweeting and asking questions to open a whole can of worms and say things like, Michelle, are you going to apologize for what you did to the black community in Chicago? Michelle, how many many millions of dollars? Why do so many people think she's trans, though? Why do so many people? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not touching that one with a 10 foot. I I just don't get it. Why do people think she's trans? Here, I'll show you. This is Michelle when she was in her high school dance class from her yearbook. That's a high school yearbook. She's obviously female. So I get that question a lot. <laughs> it's, it's because she's a big, tall woman. You know, she can't help it if she's tall. You know, well, but I don't look, get it. I'll tell you the story is what happened is a, a TMZ reporter asked Joan Rivers, will there ever be a gay president? And in her caustic type of humor, she said, well, Obama's gay and Michelle's transgender. That's her sense of humor. So I think the Internet and conservatives picked up on that. Yeah, simply because Michelle had 15 years of all positive publicity, hundreds of magazine covers, everything positive. So it just kind of gave them an outlet to say something negative. But I assure you, she's completely female. She's always been female, but she is a total, total phony in her her story about her life story because she's no friend of the black community. Well, she was doing the dogie at one point. (laughs) She was what? Very good point. Doing the dogie. I remember this one. uh, She's dancing with some people out in urban area. And some, I don't know, somebody with a, with a microphone was asking, hey, what are you, well, what's this all about? She says, I'm doing the dogie. So, yeah, I thought she no, was she authentic just, because she could dance. <laughs> That's well, a no. dance. Let me, let me point out a couple of things also about yeah. Michelle's childhood. She was in a dance group from age seven. She was in an exclusive jazz and tap group from age seven to 16. She was performing all over Chicago with a dance group. That's she cool. also went to Paris with her French club when she was in high school. I didn't go to Paris. So Michelle had a very exclusive upbringing with white kids. She had no mm-hmm. black friends, but it's all about manipulating that black vote one more time to get her uh, elected. And I, I'm convinced that uh, she's going to be the one who's going to well, uh, be the nominee. That's what I, I, yeah, I agree. I think you're right. So I want to talk about that next. So basically, I, I do believe that Joe Biden's a racist. 
Uh, he's made oh, racist comments. He he actually eulogized uh, the Grand Wizard or whatever the Cyclops uh, Bird, Robert uh, Richard Bird, uh, West Virginia. No, I'm just I'm just I'm just laying it out oh. there. I've met I've met Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not a good guy. He gives off this very very slimy vibe. He does. It, Ooh, it, you know, yeah. I've been in the Excella Lounge with him there in New York. I've been I've had to testify before him. Mm -hmm. He's he's just and he's always like, sniffing people's hair. Well, he just does my hair, thank God. But anyway, my point being is that that he is he is basically anti minority. He's abused minorities. He Biden put more black men into prison, I think, uh, because of the laws he helped create than any other single individual. I believe that. And huh. so now, Joel, you got Michelle Obama coming up to compete against him. How's that going to look? It, it, I think it's going to be very smooth. I think uh, Biden doesn't have to drop out. I think that when uh, you might remember that Biden released a three minute video last April saying he was going to run for reelection to finish the job. Now, that's not really that's not really an announcement. But you saw that Susan Wright quit the White House the next day. Now, she's definitely on Team Obama. So that tells you that even though they kind of run the administration, that they don't completely control Biden, I guess. He figures, uh, why not run for reelection with all this ballot stuffing going on? Uh, so they don't completely control him. So I don't think he has to drop out. I think Michelle can run against him just like Ted Kennedy did against Jimmy Carter. And Michelle's the most popular person in the country. She has a huge following. And Biden will lose very badly starting in South Carolina, where half the electorate are African-Americans. And it's Michelle's adopted home state. And uh, it's going to go very smooth. Michelle will get all the primaries and Biden eventually will drop out. No one's going to vote for him. Uh, Ted Cruz floated an idea that maybe they would have Biden go through the process and then Michelle would kind of drop into the convention next year all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. I don't think that'll happen. I, I really believe she's going to meet the deadline for the December 23rd to get all her signatures in. I think it's very interesting to see what she's up to. Even the last few days, she told a private audience in Nantucket in Massachusetts that she was very worried about Trump winning the White House interestingly she tweets three times a day for years three times a day she has not tweeted anything at all since october 7th since the hamas attack on israel i think that indicates she's up to something she doesn't want to alienate the far left nor the jewish voters by saying anything that's interesting i didn't know that yeah i didn't realize that you know what else is interesting tony's takes <gasps> oh, tony's that already? that's right tony's takes Oh, my favorite part of the show, because we get to hear what Tony really thinks of things. And this is also powered by Sig Sauer. Never settle. I'm glad Never we have you here, Joel, because so we can get Tony, Joel, and Elizabeth's takes. Let, let's uh, let's take the first Tony's takes. I'm going to uh, switch gears here. And yes, the, I, I just thought of this one because it's what you were talking about with Joel. Uh, mm -hmm. Michelle Obama runs for president. Let's say it happens. She spent all this time, her and Barry, you know, Mr. President Sotero uh, in the past, we're yapping yeah. on about how great Black Lives Matter is and how we should follow and we should make sure that we adhere to everything they talk about. Well, <laughs> they come out last couple of weeks in support of the Hamas um, uh, rampage against innocent civilians, women, children, grandparents. And, and it was disgusting, the hostage taking and everything else. Right. How? And in all the efforts to whitewash the political associations with uh, between Barry and Michelle. How are they going to whitewash this one if she decides to run for president? Tony, what's your take? So I think it's very clear that Black Lives Matter should be adapting a philosophy of uh, becoming more uh, able to go and uh, 
deal with groups in the Middle East. As a matter of fact, I recommend we export Black Lives Matter to Hamas. What do you think? That's a great idea. Just, uh, like just put it, uh, get, let's say, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter, you're not radical enough. Why don't you go to the Gaza Strip and learn how to be more radical? So I think that's that's my that's my take on it. But the thing is, though, if we try to put them on a plane and send them there, they're not going to go. So we have to lie to them and say, oh, you're going to Disney World. So we say, well, it is kind of a terrorist Disney World, of course. And then they fly over the water. Then there was, oh, we're not going to Disney World. Yeah. Yeah. I can give you a little little background. This nobody really talks about. I've tweeted this before, but Black Lives Matter is actually an offshoot in Florida of a group called Dream Defenders in Florida that was uh, founded by Palestinian-Americans. And their ah, goal, their goal, go. well, their oh, goal was to recruit Black Americans and teach them intifada. If See? you look up, look up Dream Defenders, it was actually they were so radical and so involved in terrorism that they needed to rebrand themselves. So that's why it was re- simply rebranded as Black Lives Matter with a whole Marxist agenda that was straight out of the 1960s weather underground to overthrow the United States. Uh, it was such a nice slogan. Everybody, Black Lives Matter, well, we all agree with that. They had such a great marketing slogan. They were able to fool most of America into saying that they support the movement. Oh, well, no. See, Elizabeth, my instincts were correct. Let's send them on to Hamas. Yeah, that's. I love that idea. It's, it's actually the opposite. They are Hamas. It was started by Palestinian Americans to teach yeah, that's right. black people how to riot. It was done in reverse. There we I'm go. just thinking we need to physically send them over. Anyway, let's go to the next one. Uh, yes. speak, you know, we talked about Michelle Obama being a serious candidate. There are a lot of candidates about as serious as Chris Christie as far as running for president. OK, <laughs> and here here is one that goes within that rank. At least this is being floated. We're talking about Obama this week. Blogs like 1945 and a couple of others, many others, have started floating the possibility that Liz Cheney could run for president. Yeah, I know. I'll run for president in 2024 simply because she says to Jake Tapper when he asks, she wouldn't rule it out. Now, she does have a pedigree and she does have, and that pedigree is, is, is a neocon pedigree. These people do not like Trump and mm-hmm. they do not like any, they do not like the idea that the people are kind of speaking up and taking over the Republican Party. Tony, gentlemen, ladies, what's your take? Well, I look, um, Chris Christie, I think, has got an endorsement deal for Crisco. I think he's going to be on every every, uh, every <laughs> oh container God. of Crisco with a big spoonful, like he eats it, which he does, I think. He, just takes spoons. he and Mark Milley, the, the Crisco diet, just saying, it's, if you want to be big and big quickly, that's the way to do it. Speaking of big oh. and big quickly, uh, why is it Liz Cheney is essentially the Stalinist version of Miss Piggy? I mean, if you th- if you put them in the same room as Miss oh Piggy, my gosh. I mean, seriously, seriously, I, I just I think that there's <laughs> something there. And um, I, I I'm just wondering if she's not married to a guy that's pretty green and, and got webbed hands. Just saying. And she beats him up. Every oh, day. my God. <laughs> yeah. That is too funny. I can comment on the look. Uh, Liz Cheney represents the old school Republican establishment. And when Donald Trump mm. emerged as the people's president for America First Movement, the establishment rejected him. To this day, Liz right. Cheney oh, is still rejecting him. Now, yeah. that's in contrast to the Democrat Party when these Marxists emerged out of Chicago and wanted to take over the Democrat Party. The establishment Democrats like Chuck Schumer and all these guys, they welcomed them and they themselves became radical Marxists. So that's yeah. the difference between how the two parties reacted to a grassroots right. movement emerging. And Chuck Schumer is, uh, this is what I don't get, Joel, because so many, and I've talked about this with other folks who are Jewish. 
the Jew, the, the, the Democrat Party is not only not good for black people, it's not good for Jewish folks. And I just under, don't understand how people continue to vote against their own self-interest and elect people like Schumer and Obama and Biden, who essentially will say whatever it takes or, or pretend to be black if it takes that to get elected. And yet they do the most hideous things to disadvantage and abuse the very community that they say that they, they're supposed to support. I don't understand how this happens over and over. Well, it really is the media demonizing the opposition. You've got the phenomenon of these older uh, octogenarian Democrats that just want to hang on for yeah. another couple of years. Merrick Garland, Biden, Schumer, they figure if I go along with this radical Chicago Marxist program, I can stay in power for a couple more years. Otherwise, I got to go home. So yeah. they kind of go with the flow. And uh, so many voters follow them because they're used to them. So, yeah, um, I mean, who would, who, they don't want to help swim, people. They just want the power. Who could swim further out to sea without drowning? Uh, 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 Liz Cheney or um, Amy Schumer? Amy Schumer. Any, any well, I think Amy Schumer. I so, think pound for pound, Amy Schumer no, the, has more. The answer is, the answer is, I don't know, but it's worth a shot. Uh, all right. That's a good one. <laughs> Well, here's something that wasn't worth a shot, and believe me, it really wasn't. Victoria's Secret is finally and wisely oh. scrapping its latest marketing campaign, where they oh, did they did now get this. You probably know this already. They did away with the traditional angels the last couple of years. They, they brought in trans models, and get this. All right, mm. just all right. Hold this if you can hold it in. All right, I'm going to say it. Megan Rapino, yeah, to speak and model for the company. They predictably lost money. Tony, what's your take? So I've seen oh. Megan Rapinoe in her uh, 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 Is it Can I say that word on the on the pro program? And and <laughs> and she looks like a ten year old guy. And I don't know. I think mm -hmm. we. I'm generally against the idea of sexualizing ten year olds. Period. And uh, just saying, I I just don't know. I don't get to draw there. And she actually brags about how uh, the wear that she's modeling can be used from everything, from. Uh, going downtown to the movies to playing soccer. And I just don't think the hygiene of that is good. I mean, I run and I don't think I'd want to like go for a run and then hang out with friends in the theater. I just don't think it's a good idea. So it speaks uh, volumes of her ability as a athlete to ignore bodily functions and odors. But I don't think it's one of those things that men would be attracted to. I don't think, I don't think so. No, or women, for that matter. Or women. It's just another example of corporate America going along with the radical agenda out of fear. I think yeah. they know better, but they if they feel, well, if we don't adopt this transgender stuff in some manner, then uh, we're going to be attacked on social media. We will be boycotted. So there's a lot of fear that's going along with this uh, radical agenda that corporates, corporate uh, boards are going along with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're but right. Sometimes bad business is bad business. Uh, Victoria's Secret has an image. They had the whole uh, fashion shows and everything. They, the, the, the joke is go get woke, go broke. This was a prime example. If <laughs> I mean, almost as bad as Disney. Uh, yeah. We can talk about that during another show. I don't know, Chris. Like, I, think, I think certain matches of products to personalities is good. Again, I think Chris Christie and Crisco is a match made in heaven. I, that I just, works though. That's good. Like He's it. not modeling an underwear. Yeah. Well, I think, look, I think he could be a Victoria model. Don't you think? 
based on the current standards. He could be uh, like, I think he'd look good in the girdle. I, I think so. I think so. I think they're missing out. What do you call those things, Elizabeth? The, the things that you women corset, a Chris Christie, a Chris Christie corset that has Crisco t uh, labeled on it. That's a winner. That that is a winner. I think that is a people, horrible, horrible visual right that there. Would be, yeah. People would be lining up in the aisles for that for Christmas. That would be the gift of, of the year. But more than Cabbage Patch Kids, I'm saying. I'm sure. <laughs> cabbage Patch Kids. I'm sure. I'm sure. Are they coming well, back wrap up. Joel, oh, uh, thank you for being here today on The Hard Truth. Uh, people need to go check out uh, Michelle Obama 2024, the book and the movie. Cool. Uh, I don't think there's a scratch and sniff, so don't don't take my words as gospel. Uh, although, Joel, I think, I think a scratch and sniff yeah. would probably be useful. You and can... You get it on uh, Salem Now. You can watch it live stream on Salem Now or Amazon Prime Video. And then the book and DVD are on Amazon.com. Yeah, so go check it out now. Elizabeth Breckenkamp uh, has oh. been here with us uh, helping uh, do the color commentary. And Chris Cardani running the boards and, and the clock. Thank you all for joining us this week. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of The Hard Truth. Uh, look forward to seeing you there.